Excellent. An ale for me. And for my officers. In fact, ales for everyone. Turn backwards. With Rick and Rick and Will and Zemma. Oh, yes. Hello and welcome to another episode of Ten Backward, a Star Trek podcast from merry old England. I'm Rick Palmer and as ever I'm joined by my wonderful co-hosts, Rick Everson. Hello. Gemma Turland. Hello. And Will Turland. Hello. And in this episode we're going to be discussing the second half of Star Trek Lower Decks Season 2. Uh, five episodes in all. Um, we did an earlier episode where we covered the first half. Um, so if you've listened to this episode and haven't listened to that one, maybe listen to that one first and then come back to this one. <laughs> yeah. But and please, then, come, but please come back. Please come back. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you only watched the second half of mm. season two and you've poo-pooed the first half for some reason. Shoot. In that case... And poo-pooed. Yeah. And in that case, this would be the right one to listen to. <laughs> I'd also advise you do watch the second half of season two before listening to this. Otherwise, it's going to be a bit spoiler heavy. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, those dis- those maybe, disclaimers aside. Um... Or maybe if you watched the f- you didn't watch the first half, you could still listen to the first podcast, and then you wouldn't have to watch the first half of the season. It's a, it's a quick catch up, I suppose. Yeah. 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 In, in terms of minutes of your life spent, it's quicker than watching. Them. Yeah. It's it's actually it was quite a long one. It's actually only just quicker. It may not feel quicker. <laughs> no. it, it may feel quite a lot longer. I think you could fit four episodes into the amount of time it took us to discuss five episodes. <laughs> and probably those four episodes would be funnier than we were. I yeah, I mean you'd you'd hope so, wouldn't you? I mean They're definitely funnier than I was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And everyone Speak, agrees. <laughs> speaking of funny, before we get into the nitty gritty of this, I have been asked if I could read out a, a joke that someone has done. And that someone is my little boy Isaac, who is eight years old oh. and has made up his very own Star Trek joke and asked me to share it on the podcast. Excellent. And Isaac's joke is Why is a magnet like a Klingon? I don't know. Because they both cling on to things. Oh, <laughs> it's pretty good. Like it's, it, it's. I think it's funny because you. That's that's the answer you sort of expect. Yeah. And and it's it's funnier that it that it isn't any more complicated than that. Like there's there's elegance in its simplicity, yes, isn't there? I agree. There? Yeah. 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 It's probably funnier than most of the jokes I've made on the shows. <laughs> Again, yeah. I mean, yes. I think we're all in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's the ego boost is why I host this with you guys. <laughs> cool. So, um, without further ado, should we launch into talking about uh, episode six of season two? I think we should. I yeah, believe it's the, called The Spy Humongous. Mm, yes. yes. Yeah. Tee <laughs> Um. And in this one, there is a there's a Packlid spy, isn't there? Mm. Um, <laughs> who comes up? Well, they, they suspect that that he is a, a Packlid spy, and um, I, I I think he, that it turns out he is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. and, 
do cachlids have genders, by the way? Because they do seem to be. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Okay. I yeah, think, I, I, yeah. I, I feel like there were lady cachlids in this episode. They, but they, they all just basically dress the same. Okay. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um, think, yeah. Yeah. But they sound, they sound different. I think. Mm, yeah. There's a there's some, there's gender specific pronouns on the memory alpha description of the episode ah, at least. Well, so that's all we need to know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, moving on. And then the the kind of other story is the the lower deck crew being assigned to um, it's like anomaly. Um, how do they how do they describe it? Anon- anomaly um, consolidation. I think it's where <laughs> they're like just going around collecting up all of the stupid anomalies that people have left lying around on the ship <laughs> yes um and then on top of that there's a further storyline where boimler joins up with a little group who are very keen on getting themselves uh promotion they have a club called the red shirts yeah where they help each other to rank up and they want him basically because he's been on the titan with Riker. Mm-hmm. so yeah so it kind and of think- becomes a story about boimler kind of Falling one of the like this this cool group and leaving his friends behind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. I, I think that was my that was my favorite of the storylines actually because it was kind of the most relatable, and 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 it felt like the the comedy came sort of easiest from the like from the characters in that situation. Mm. Um, like there was a there was a pretty good joke about they were all they all claimed that they grew up in the same place, didn't they? Oh, where was it? Was oh, it no, 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 that's, no, that's, that's, that's different. Episode. That's later. Oh, is it? Oh no, that's when. Yeah, that's later. Oh, that's, yeah, I know what you're thinking of, but yeah, yeah, I've made a Star Trek error. You have. Do you know why? That's not my favorite storyline. Then. <laughs> <laughs> when, when I mean, I, Sorry, I really it. like the spy one. I just think that's. I mean, it's yeah. ridiculous. But I love the fact that apparently the Cerritos has a gift shop. <laughs> so they treat the spy yeah. to like a branded T-shirt and stuff like that. It's brilliant. Yeah, it was good. <laughs> yeah. Would you, would you go for a branded T-shirt, Rick? Definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I forgot for a moment, both of you are called Rick. And so I was, I was looking at you expecting you both to understand which Rick I meant. <laughs> well, I which guess Rick did you mean? Uh, you actually, Rick. Ah, <laughs> yeah. I knew. I, I knew I it was him. I, I never. You never asked me questions, so, <laughs> so <laughs> sorry. Part of, part of the reason I I jumped in actually, but okay. <laughs> like you saw your opportunity. I'm, I'm having this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it kind of begs the question: Do other ships have like their own gift shops as well? I mean, can you go? You do you get one so. on the? Yeah, they must do. Well, in an episode, in a, you know, um, in an episode um, that we'll be talking about in another episode, well, in another episode of our podcast, the Enterprise has a, a florist, apparently. Indeed, yes, yes apparently. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. or just yeah. the, the flower display room. I don't know, yeah. <laughs> or yeah, it's it's slightly off topic, but I've actually just recently watched an episode of Babylon Five where there is a Babylon what? Five gift shop. You're watching Babylon Five. I, I I am. Yes. Why I'm, did you not tell anyone? I I have told. I, I won't shut up about Babylon Five at the moment, except like pr- hopefully mostly on this podcast. I, um, I confidently predicted it would be less than ten minutes before <laughs> Babylon Five was mentioned by Will, and it is. <laughs> 
But there's a there's there's a little joke in in that episode where where the, where Captain Sheridan says I can't I can't believe that the stations become like some sort of deep space franchise, and it, and it feels so like it's a bit yeah. of an on the nose direct reference to Deep Space Nine, mm-hmm. um, which was kind of like in direct competition with with Babylon Five at the time. But anyway, yeah, it doesn't it doesn't feel like it's. Uh, that crazy an idea for all ships and space stations to have a gift shop. Well, how, how many times on the Enterprise when someone beams aboard do they offer them a tour? Tours always finish with a gift shop. Yeah. <laughs> you have to exit through the gift shop, don't you? Yeah. There's no other way. So, yeah, that would be something yeah. now I would always check out on the Starship. Like, I need to check the gift shop. <laughs> get me get a rainbow. Head. Get a rainbow eraser. <laughs> yeah and one like a coin a coin tube that goes around your neck mm-hmm. like, do you think yes, you have one of those yeah. machines that you put a coin in and it, oh, it squishes press. it and then yeah penny press yeah mm-hmm. like in the Yorvik like in the Yorvik centre yeah <laughs> well they don't have they don't really anyway, have anyway, anyway this is a good <laughs> they also have pen, a jar of pennies that you could use but they don't even have money in, in um, Star Trek so how are they going to have, well, they can they can print discs of you metal. maybe you could get like a, a slip of latinum yeah yeah a latinum press. press yeah yeah fridge magnets yeah even though they don't often have fridges <laughs> replicator magnets just stick them on the front of your replicator yeah that's <laughs> the thing rock with cerritos <laughs> yeah right through the middle anyway so in the episode <laughs> um. So they like there's some there's some snootiness from the um, uh, from the red shirts, isn't there about um, about Boimler? Um, oh, his friends mostly. Yeah, yeah, and it kind of it kind of climbed because they're they're all about um, working towards command and mm-hmm. stuff, aren't they? And um, there's a nice payoff at the end where uh, Boimler has to do something stupid to kind of save. The day because tend as Tendy turned she turned into a like a scorpion. Yeah. Um, which, which again is like something you were saying on the last podcast episode. On the last episode we did uh, Rick um Palmer about how this show tends to choose stories that work in animation. And I was thinking like that is kind of a joke I don't think they would do in live action because <laughs> Really expensive. <laughs> yeah. Except for that episode so, Genesis where they did turn everyone into crazy monsters. <laughs> oh well yes, that that's true. Yeah, because of course Barkley becomes a giant spider in that episode, mm. doesn't he? So uh, yeah, <laughs> there is some live action precedent for that kind of thing, I suppose. Yeah, so I, I, yeah, okay, I stand corrected. They would yeah. do that. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, Boimler Boimler has to make he has to he has to make funny. Uh, to make her laugh, mm-hmm. um, make and all of himself. Yeah, so she can kind of break free of the. I can't remember exactly what it is. It feeds on emotion, doesn't it? Um, That's it. And kind of in, it enhances rage and mm. but the more positive feelings uh, subdue it. What the hell is he doing? Uh, Shut up! Look! Oh no! And now the candles have lit my uniform on fire. What a predicament! <laughs> It's working! Her emotional armor is weakening! So Boimler does come up with a solution. It's just not a very dignified solution, but um, but it totally works. 
the main red shirt is horrified that mm. he would be, he would be so undignified and that's not what the command does yeah yeah but uh but he's obviously not watched uh, many Riker episodes <laughs> <laughs> yeah they did have a great payoff actually with the guy in charge of the red shirts um at the end he gets in the command chair and for all about four seconds before Shax turns up with a new deep shift and yells at him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There was um, there was some nice references to. So there's a um, is it a Kazinti? One of the one of the red one of the red shirt gang is a Kazinti, right? Mm, the cat yes. people. And there's a joke mm. about poor posture. Yes, which is a reference to how they look in the uh, the animated series. Uh, right, okay. Um, which I liked. I thought that was that was pretty funny. Yeah, <laughs> that is quite. You got to kind of do that, haven't you? I mean, if you're going to have a Kazinti, then you got to. I mean, part of the point of that is to do that. I would guess. I think. And that, I like yeah. the absolutely ridiculous bit at the end where they call back to Skin of Evil. <laughs> yeah, they prank <laughs> your armors. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I wish I had someone to torture. Hey, Armist! <laughs> you, uh, you look like a big bag of crap. Who said that? Show yourself. I am Armist. Yeah, it was like out of nowhere. <laughs> it was just really brilliant. Uh, what did everyone think of the episode overall? I mean, I, I, I remember thinking this one was, was pretty good. Hmm. Um, but, like, not, not a particularly standout episode um i didn't enjoy it as much as uh uh magato i think that that would be my favorite so far mm-hmm. and then there was a there was another one in the first half of season one i really liked and this this one was like you know it felt like it was another one with, that was that was fine there was, there was nothing wrong with it but it um yeah it, it it wasn't a super memorable one for me i think Right, obviously, so, because you thought it was a different episode. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Because I start talking about a completely different plot line. <laughs> what? What about you guys? What did you think of it? It's it's enjoyable. It's fun. Um, but yeah, it's not like the, one of the most standout of the season. Mm. But that doesn't. Yeah, there's nothing nothing wrong with it at all. It's it's good. It's fun. But yeah, it's just maybe one of the more run of the mill episodes, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I enjoyed it. I thought, I thought all the storylines were were fine. It was, it was good to have that, you know, that sort of that pack led storyline mm. feature because that's the that's the sort of ongoing mm-hmm. arc story that we've that we've had for for a little while actually. So um, yeah. that was good, and and it and it kind of it did it did serve as some sort of character development for for Boimler and. You know his his um, like him kind of balancing out his ambition against actually what he enjoys. Like he he has that moment. He realizes that just going for promotion isn't isn't very fulfilling. Actually, you know, enjoying your job is more important. Mm-hmm. So that was good. Yeah. And yeah, we get a bit more time with those characters and the the anomaly clear up job is. So it's a fun little like a B or C storyline that it would just be a cool thing to do. I, I'm I'm. I, I always find myself like when some of the characters, like when Mariner kind of grumb- grumbles about giving some duty to do. I think that sounds pretty cool, actually. I wouldn't, I wouldn't mm-hmm. mind doing a nominee clear up duty. It sounds like you get to look at loads of cool stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
and get to and, and if you get angry you just turn into a, like a, a mantis or something yeah. <laughs> yeah, or whatever or, or you kind of inflate I guess there's that risk but hey <laughs> <laughs> yeah a lot of the time on lower decks the kind of the jobs that they complain about doing are still like just a bit too interesting to be to be the kind of most mundane jobs on the ship yeah but that's it even even like the most mundane work on it on that starship is incredibly interesting <laughs> yeah yeah <clears throat> so yeah i thought it was all right like a a, a b minus yeah I'd, I'd agree with that or it was a, enjoyable a solid three out of five yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, what did you think? Yeah, Jenna? yeah, I thought it was enjoyable. I enjoyed the um, the cleanup job and the visual gags of all that. And um, I've kind of forgotten the Packled spy story. Actually, he went out an airlock. And he did go out an airlock, he? but he, didn't he survive? Yes, yes, yeah. he did because he went back, didn't he, to Packled? It was yeah. fun. He thought, he thought the airlock was a toilet. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Backlids are strong. How did you get outside in the first place? I went to the bathroom. When I pressed the flush button, I got shot out of a little hatch. Are you sure you weren't in an airlock? Can I have all your codes now? <laughs> get them out of here. Yeah. I mean, it, I mean, I mean, you know, we've all been there, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, should we move? Should we move on to episode seven? Um, yeah, which I think is called "Where Pleasant Fountains Lie." Mm-hmm. Indeed, um, not the one with the group that are all from Hawaii. Will just we're not there yet. <laughs> we're never getting to going to get to that one. So, in this episode, I think all the characters say that they were born in Hawaii. <laughs> Now we get to learn about a character that we've a a character that's been on the periphery for a while. Yeah, yeah, Um, Yeah, the the chief engineer Billups. Yeah, uh, find out that he's from a a Renaissance fair culture. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, Um, sexy Renaissance fair culture. Very sexy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. and they they want him to he he kind of go their their ship shows up and it has engine problems doesn't it and he kind of he kind of goes to on there to to fix their engines and like sort of prove to him to his mother I suppose who's the who's the queen mm-hmm. um, yeah we find out that he's royalty yes he's royalty yeah mm. but he's also a virgin and that's very important because that is part of their culture isn't yes. it that that he um, uh, if he loses his virginity, does he then become the king? Yes. Is, is that some, it? Yes. Is yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. And there's some uh, some great uh, some great like sex jokes in this episode. Actually, like Hodex goes a little bit fruity. Um, yeah, mother, if you're me into intercourse, think again. The only lady I love is two decks tall and pumped full of dilithium. I've got to stop Billups from doing the do. You're too late. My royal guards are trained from birth to skip for play. No, okay, no. We will just have to run a full diagnostic from the bottom up. You can run your full diagnostic along my bottom up, my leash. No, thank you. Ignore them and... Huh? Where's Billups? Did his kingdom come? <sighs> Bathroom. Sir, I'm alive! It was one of your mom's tricks! You don't have to do sex! What? 
Was I too late? No, I, I need more time to warm up. This prince remains dry! Yeah! Yes! Um, aside from that one, though, of course, there's also the one where Marin and Boyle will have to take a uh, a rogue computer yes. that tries to take over, and it's voiced by Jeffrey Combs. Yeah, yeah, that was voiced, fantastic. Voiced Actually, very well, obviously, of course. Obviously. And that was great. There's a lot of good jokes in that about the kind of trope of uh, evil AI computers in Star Trek. Mm. Um, like without it. I thought they they sort of towed the line between making it a bit too referential and, and sort of keeping it in universe quite well. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, and I think it helped that all of those jokes would were, were funny. Yes, um, I like <laughs> that. Always helps. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know, you know, if if a joke if the jokes are really successful, then it. I think the fact that it's kind of breaking the the fourth wall a little bit doesn't bother me so much. It um, was never explicit, though, was it? I mean, it was it no. was referential, but it's not like they um, they used they referred to a, an episode name exactly. Yeah, like, like the last outpost Indeed. Ferengis, which they do in in mm. um, come on, come on, yeah. Which is one of our favourite episodes. Yeah. So oh, there you go. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's great that Jeffrey Combs gets uh, another Star Trek role, mm-hmm. uh, and he does really well as a as a, uh, a sinister AI. He's brilliant. Yeah, it's absolutely awesome. Yeah, he's great. Uh, yeah. And yeah, I, I like how it kind of sort of does something interesting with that that trope as well and the the reveal that Boimler knew what he was up to all along is a great reveal and I feel like that's something that that is good about Lower Decks is that um I keep expecting even though I watched you know two seasons in you still kind of expect Boimler to be the the dope sometimes Mm -hmm. like the butt Mm -hmm. like the butt of a joke or or the fool guess I guess Mm -hmm. but he's not like he's He's yeah. very, very good at what he does. Like he's, he's not. He doesn't mess up on the Titan. I thought, oh, he's going to have to mess up on the Titan somehow to come back to the Cerritos. He doesn't, mm-hmm. and um, you know, he's very capable. I like mm-hmm. how that's. I like how you know they haven't had to have that sort of full character in an mm-hmm. animated show, who's kind of the the butt of a yeah. lot of jokes and things like that. Yeah, yeah. It feels in this one also like the Mariner Boimler dynamic. Has evolved a little bit as well, you know. Yeah. In, in yeah. terms that, you know, when he shows that he ha- he actually knew what he was he was doing and had this under control, you know, Marin is kind of surprised, almost mm-hmm. like she's kind of thought he was the full trope. Yeah, but it's like yeah. actually no, you know, he's and there's a kind of respect under there. Then I mean, it's, it's, so that's kind of nice that they are moving their story along as we go. Uh, I, I like the um, Agimus. If Agimus is the AI, isn't he? Like yeah. it, yeah. I guess. Um, it's just it's just stored next to a load of other evil AI. <laughs> yeah, guys. yeah. They're all sort of bicker, bicker with each other. I thought I, I loved that. That was brilliant. <laughs> I will conquer this lab, and then I will take over the Federation. I will destroy you all. You'll do nothing of the sort, for I am going to annihilate the Federation. Tremble at my power. With that programming, good luck. You should self-destruct if you even can. You both suck. You don't understand what being an evil computer even is. Processes. <laughs> 
it's a lovely kind of Raiders of the Lost Ark style kind of final shot. You know, it's like the warehouse with all of the MacGuffins are stored, but they're mm-hmm. but yeah, they're all just bickering, <laughs> grumpy AIs. That's canon. That's canon now. Yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, they all got to go somewhere, aren't they? Mm-hmm. So. Landrew. I don't. I don't think they took Landrew away, did they? We did see they... that in in series season one of Lower Decks. Landrew's yeah, still see, in yeah. place, so he's still there, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Sorry. yeah. Yeah. So for some reason they didn't store him away. So, uh... <laughs> maybe he's too big. Maybe you need like a like an Xbox size. Mm. And maybe yeah. they can only take Landrew is quite large. Yeah, maybe they can only so, store a lot of. Maybe they choose to store lots of small, evil AI systems and not like big ones. I guess. Yeah, yeah. They've only got yeah. certain size storage cubes so they can fit through. <laughs> yeah, I suppose the same of Val as well because he had the big sculpted dragon head cave thing. Yeah, yeah. I guess it's like it's it's a bit of an outdated idea that AIs would be really big like i guess in in original series a lot of ais would were big giant computers but um mm. you know these days we expect an, an ai to sort of like not necessarily even have any hardware yeah exist sort of virtually um yeah. but yes yeah, it's, it's, it's a fun idea that an ai would just be too big to fit in one of those slots <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, because apparently the 23rd century we have a period where for some reason computing goes back to having spinning tapes and stuff like that. Of course, yeah, yeah. The, the Renaissance. Hipsters, right? Yeah, it's a hip, like a hipster era. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, vinyl is making a comeback, right? So. Yeah, I, I do I, I do like that, that sort of retro retro futurism i guess it's kind of cool isn't it Where, yeah i mean i guess in the 60s it wasn't when they did that it wasn't retro futurism it was futurist but yeah now it now it seems sort of retro futuristic but i do i do love the retro futuristic aesthetic i do i really like that in you know in the new blade runner film that that they did where they actually they, they sort of keep that sort of 80s sci-fi yeah yeah aesthetic. Exactly. and I, I actually think that looked really cool like it didn't sort of date it um yeah um but yeah get, get, going back to the other story there's a point where it seems like rutherford's been blown up yeah um, when the engines explode and um and that was quite cool i mean i never really thought for a moment that he had been killed off <laughs> Um, but it was still like a like a bit of a surprising moment, um, mm. and then it leads to like a cool uh, kind of race again because it's all like a, a trick so that um, so that what's his name um, Billop can 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 yes Billops can lose his virginity and, and become <laughs> the king and there's like a cool race to stop him from having sex, <laughs> uh, which is hilarious. Um, and uh, yeah, I thought all that stuff was really good. I really liked mm. all that. I absolutely just love that Billips as a character is completely like, I've got no interest in sexual relationships. I do not care. I just yeah. want to fix engines. I want to be an engineer. I, you know, and I was like, I love that. It's, um, it's really, really cool that he's just, yeah. he doesn't, he's just absolutely unashamed. Um, you know, any other show, a guy being outed as a virgin, it, it, he'd have been horrified, but he's just like, but I want to be an engineer. Yeah, yeah. And there's, I suppose there's a bit of a kind of, um, 
it maybe sort of ties into a sort of like an original series idea where it's like a super fruity idea that a guy has come up with where it's like, oh, you have to lose your virginity to <laughs> to become the king. So in this episode, we could have a lot of uh, maybe scantily dressed ladies mm. who fall in love, but but they kind of totally subvert that idea by having the, yeah, by having Billups have no interest in that at all. Yeah. They're going to fix things. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's good, and like, but both stories are really good in this one. I think, um, as you say, it plays on a lot of the trope ideas that we know. It doesn't go overboard. It doesn't like ram it in your face with the, with the callbacks too much, though, as well, which is nice. Because mm. mm-hmm. I think that's a delicate line that Lower Decks treads and doesn't always go the right way. I mean, I personally love any callback and stuff, but I totally get that sometimes they're a bit too in your face. But uh, this one, I think totally nails it yeah yeah mm. yeah i liked the um storyline of tendy thinking that uh Food. rutherford is mm. dead yeah yeah desperately trying to find his uh yeah any part of him that's left and he's yeah. just feasting yes yeah he is yeah he's just about like medieval yes. feast yeah <laughs> But um, I think the the Rutherford Tendy relationship is is so sweet this season. Mm. It's really really sweet. It's just so mm. wholesome and beautiful. They have such this lovely friendship. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. What about you, uh, uh, Rick P? What do you make of this episode? Yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed it. I, I thought it was uh, two two great storylines. Um, you know, it just it, like you, basically what you guys have said. Really, I have to admit, I'm not sure I can add anything more to that other than I can. I very much agree with what you guys have said. Uh, <laughs> I like that culture. I think it's yeah. it's fun. It's fun that that a planet was colonized by a group of humans who were sort of Renaissance fair fans. I like the the sort of the lingo that they have, um, the way they talk about things like. Uh, the language they have for how an engine works and the, the dragon fire um, yeah, technology, yeah. yeah. And you know, and Billups Billups yeah. uses Billups uses some of that language, that that link that um dialect, I guess you would call it uh, later on in the series, I think. Mm. Like he says dragons he says dragon's blood when something's gone wrong instead of shit, I guess. <laughs> so I like that I like that culture. Yeah. I, I like the characters and and yeah, it was just a cool, just a cool episode, really. I, I I liked it a lot. Cool. Well, let's talk about episode eight. Um, Is it the worm? Uh, do you know? I don't know, Gemma. Oh, I don't think that's it. Yeah. Don't give him cool. any clues, Ricky. <laughs> he needs to, to work out which one it is on his own. <laughs> oh, man. I like being at work. How many episodes is he going to confidently blather on about them all being born in Hawaii before he realises it's not that one yet? <laughs> I think this episode is called I Was Born in Hawaii. <laughs> It's called I I excretus. Ah. And um so this is the one, and I hope I'm right about this, is where they are they have to undertake a series of simulations. Yes. Uh, like simulation kind of test. It's basically like a big old holodeck episode. Um 
and it's like it's a great opportunity for uh like all of the different all of the references they mm-hmm. can possibly think of because mm-hmm. you can just do it with a holodeck can't you it works though i think i think the idea because mm-hmm. you would you would do holodeck training drills and things based on actual missions so yeah. to pile a, a load of like genuine episode bits in like that it works in this case absolutely is the best way to cram in some of this stuff and it's hilarious because if you buy the if yeah. you buy the, the the premise you can just go with it um, <laughs> yeah and it's very very enjoyable and i um <clears throat> Yeah, I like that in this episode, like everyone, f- everyone is terrible <laughs> yes. at the um, the simulations, except Boimler, who like yeah, he actually, he yeah he nails it, doesn't mm-hmm. he? He's, but he's like, but he becomes an absolute perfectionist. Like he's going for a hundred percent, isn't he? And nothing's good enough. He's in the uh, the Borg simulation, mm. um, which is really cool, and it's great to see some like some Borg stuff. Uh, and see what they can do with the Borg in, in animation. Um, and some like some hilarious jokes where he's like running around with armfuls of Borg babies that he's trying <laughs> to rescue from the cube. And... Yeah. Um, yeah. There's some of the other, I like Tendy's one where she has to assist a paralyzed Klingon in a ritual suicide. <laughs> yeah. Back to a next gen episode. And she's just like, no idea. <laughs> He ends up he yeah you know, get, getting better. Yeah, she loses. She fails. Yeah, time of, yeah. Time of time of life is <laughs> that was a great. That was a great joke. He, what was it? He he broke his back picking up a peanut. <laughs> yeah, that made me laugh. That was brilliant. Get me three hundred cc's of any type of poison. I have to die. They have giant hearts. So many backup organs, sir. It's done. There's nothing else we can do. Damn it. Call it. Time of life, 0900. No! Sorry. <laughs> I also like that we get to see um, the per- the person running all these simulations is a, is a Pandronian, which, yes. which we saw, again, is a callback to the animated series with mm. um, uh, Bem. Bem was the Pandronian in that, in that episode, whose name I can't remember, but it's a... It's a bonkers idea for a species, isn't it? it? Is. How would that happen? How would that evolutionary uh, tree work? I don't. I, I don't what? know. What? <laughs> I guess it must be. Well, I, I wonder. Yeah, I, I guess I wonder what sort of life form they are. Or what what their what their back what their ancestry is. Maybe yeah. maybe they have some sort of cellular thing where. Like, maybe I mean, there could, it could be artificial life that has since evolved past their makers and have yeah. become autonomous life forms themselves. Hmm, interesting. I, I was going to suggest: Are they kind of a biological version of the, the the smart nanite things in Discovery, where you can have separate warp mm. cells and adaptable stuff? In fact, is is their biological process of that the inspiration later on in, in the centuries for Maybe. the mechanical version that they develop by the time discoveries in the future? Maybe that would or, be an awesome link. Or are they like those fire guys in Labyrinth? That can yeah, they, they, they actually are those. Yeah, yeah those fireies. Fireies. <laughs> yeah. 
There they are, those guys. They're, they are pretty, pretty brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so is, it, is this the episode where, and I, I'm, I'm really doubting my, my own memories now, where the command crew are kind of put in the shoes of yes. the lower deck? They are. Yeah. You know, they have to take on that role because yes. the lower decks characters are going through the simulations mm-hmm. like as if they were the command crew. Yeah. So it's mm. like a bit of a switchery. Um <laughs> There's like there's some there's some fun jokes there where the command crew are like this, this is really Brilliant. easy we yeah. Lo- yeah this is amazing like they're all kind of bunking <laughs> together down in lower yeah. decks and they, they just love it. I forgot mm. how easy this life was. Oh my god, yeah. this is amazing. Yeah. I almost forgot how easy being a lower decker is. All I did was stand in the back of a banquet all day. I just waited in the transporter bay in case anybody needed to be transported. Why did we ever rank up again? So what if their showers are a little cramped or their replicators can only make one slice of pizza at a time? A small price to pay for no worries and no responsibilities. Mm-hmm. And then then, then there's all that stuff where they, then they have to start doing like Stacking. the duties and stuff. Yeah. And they have to stack those really awkward showers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a great joke where they're like, well, what if they're meant to be stacked together? Why are they the shape? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and, the, the, and someone just keeps bursting in and going, oh, there's a cling on the back. Have you seen Q? Oh, the Shemadari and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, dear. So, um, I mean, obviously, the, the callbacks are brilliant, like Rutherford having to do with a bit from Star Trek II. Um, yeah, yeah. And oh, God, the, the detail level is beautiful because mm. they've really drawn out the whole engineering bit that Spock goes in that whole chamber. Um, and then the ridiculous joke that the the handle of the door is too hot for Rutherford. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, because uh, he didn't get Spock's oven gloves, so. No. Yes. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> and there, there's a, a there's a nice reference to um, Spectre of the Gun. Um, yes. Isn't there? Which is like, which we talked about on a. Uh, on a, an, an, an episode recently, which which hasn't gone out yet, so we, we can't talk about oh. that one. We can't talk about the. But fact I guess we it, talk well, it, about it, it, stop but, talking yeah. about it. But it's but it is but it's a it's um, an episode where like the look of it is really sort of iconic. There's like a kind mm-hmm. of a red background and all of the it's it's a Wild West Town episode mm-hmm. and all of the the shop the sort of uh, the the buildings. Why, why are you like looking at me cuttings. when you say that as if, as if you're explaining it to me? Well, it's like it's nice to have an audience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we need um, to get back to in person recordings. And, that, and of course, yeah. in in that. Um, that simulation is one of the tells that um, these are in fact rigged yes. simulations yeah. because um, because l- horses love Mariner. Yeah. They love Mariner except for this horse, which yeah. keeps trampling her, yeah, and she's, she's just, incensed. Yeah, <laughs> it just gets kicked, and then it's like it's game over yeah. straight away. <laughs> Yeah, because the story is that it's all a setup, and they're all meant to fail, mm-hmm. aren't they? Mm-hmm. And then there's a there's kind of a nice ending where where Freeman takes um, Captain Freeman takes what's the character's name? Is it Shari? Uh, takes her into the into like a sort of a oh, like a real yes. life dangerous situation. Yeah, to kind of show her that you know simulations are are. Uh, a one thing, but being out in the field is quite another. Which felt like such a such a Captain Kirk attitude. Yes. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? 
Kirk's always on about how much he he hates computers and, <laughs> and, and simulation and anything where he has to get the theory right. He hates. Yes. <laughs> he likes being flying by the seat of his pants. pants. <laughs> yeah, I thought this was a good one. I I, I liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and 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 um, like we said, it's one where the it almost feels like the setup is just is is allowing them to get away with as many references mm-hmm. as they can because they've got an excuse as to why they're there. But like, but that works. It's like, mm. yeah, if you're gonna if you want to cram in a bunch of references that nerds are gonna love, then come up with a really good reason to do it. And they they did that. So mm-hmm. yeah, good. <laughs> Yeah, it works. The um, the Naked Now one was particularly horrifying. Oh, God, I'd forgotten about that, yeah. <laughs> horrifying? I, I thought it was pretty fruity. Yeah. <laughs> it was brilliant. It was brilliant because, do you know what? That's what if, if Gene could have done it, that's what he would have done. <laughs> he, mate, he, he did do that. <laughs> Come on, girl, last one. You got this. Wow, everyone's very slick and sliding around. Keep your hands to yourselves. Hey, that's an anus. <laughs> he wouldn't have blocked out um, uh, people's <laughs> genitalia, would he? He would have let it all hang out. Yeah, well, he would have been doing the blocking out, I reckon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> In but it's that. <laughs> There were some there were some screenshots that were taken from that episode, and it kind of like caused a bit of a Twitter storm because it 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 was used as an example. It was very much a, a, a look what Star Trek has become yeah. um, screenshot. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of tweets, and so it's funny that we all think that Jim Roddenberry would have absolutely <laughs> loved that idea and <laughs> maybe gone harder at it. <laughs> well- this is the thing. He was very much a proponent of, you know, um, free love and the, you know, a lot of sexual freedom. If he'd got, if he could have got away with it, everyone on the Enterprise had been shagging all the time. Yeah, absolutely. And and it was just, it was purely network sensibilities of the sixties through eighties that stopped him. You know, Mr. Roddenberry, we keep telling you, you can't have this in this script. You just yeah. can't. Not at six o'clock, at, not at six o'clock yeah. in the evening. It's a children's <laughs> show, for the love of God. Can you please put your trousers back on <laughs> in, in the meeting? Because it's, it's very it's distracting. distracting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I, I think it's like it's pretty outrageous in this episode, and it and it's it's funny because it's so shocking, but it is directly referencing, like you said, the naked now. Um, so it is it isn't like a whole new idea that Lower Decks has come up with. It it's it's riffing on a an idea yeah. that's out there in in Star Trek already, and it's and it's just very funny. <laughs> it's just it's just showing what what did happen in. Two other episodes, <laughs> yes. at least, yeah, and probably yeah. many more, but not because of the naked, naked now virusy thingy. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I, I had no problem with that. I didn't really. I only saw. I only read. I read a bit about that controversy, but I didn't know what it was to do with what what the what people were saying that that so irked them. So. Yeah. I think yeah. the, the majority of people who, who had a problem with it were people who didn't like Lower Decks and probably don't like any of the Star Trek that's come mm. out since yeah. 2004. 
and probably hadn't even watched that episode who'd just seen that screenshot out of context and been outraged by it well because yeah. they love to be outraged it's yeah part of their, how they identify yeah i mean people like to romanticize the idea that star trek is has a very noble high purpose and shows shows humanity so much far beyond and, and wonderful but mm. you know they they've got to realize gene was very much in favour of everyone having sex quite a lot with each other. <laughs> yeah, Maybe he because was, he, he was couldn't keep it in his trousers. <laughs> yeah, he was a total horn dog. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, <laughs> he was... Yes, he made an amazing show that's obviously had such an impact and we all adore it. He was a man who was, you know, driven by his own appetites. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. let's, not, let's, not, let's not put the rose-tinted glasses on here. And he absolutely would have done you know, more filthy stuff on Star Trek if he could have gotten away with it. Yeah. And, you know, as, as well, this like this is something that happens in a in a holodeck situation as well. <laughs> it, it wasn't like a real um, no. uh, situation on, on that the Lower Decks crew got involved in. It was like, yeah, mm. d- deliberately sort of false. Um, Wrapped up. Yeah, yeah. And it's genuinely a very funny joke about the, the naked now and the naked time and how those episodes went. Yeah. Yeah, it reminds me of that other really fruity joke that they do in uh, um, uh, Magato. Oh, God, um, yeah. Gamato. With the. Magato likes to watch. Yes. That was brilliant. That yeah. was that was really that was hilarious. Yeah, I wasn't expecting that in that episode. Just the moment where he starts kind of jerking off his horn. Yeah. Like, whoa! Unexpected. <laughs> they're actually doing that. That's hap- I haven't imagined that. They're doing it. <laughs> it was really funny. Yeah. <sighs> um. Yeah, so overall, I thought this episode was was fantastic. It was full of callbacks, but to- didn't feel forced. Didn't feel like too. S- it was it was gloriously daft, silly, but with a nice story that made complete sense to throw all this stuff in and just really revel in Star Trek's history and quirks and foibles for half an hour. It was absolutely brilliant. Loved it. Yeah. Shall we? And unless anyone, unless anyone disagrees, shall we move on to the next episode, mm-hmm. uh, which is episode nine? How how does one pronounce this episode title? Wedge Dudge. Wedge Dudge. Wedge Dudge. this one. Um, this and so that the setup of it. This was this is a bit of a format breaking episode mm-hmm. in that we are we see the lower decks of two other ships as well, a Vulcan ship and a Klingon ship. Um, and the the first thing that struck me is like, this, this is a hell of a lot to cram into a kind of 22 minute episode, uh, animated show. Um, but it doesn't feel like it's rushed or overstuffed. Actually, no. I, I, the, the story plays out really, really well. Mm-hmm. This is, my probably my favorite episode of Lower Decks' entire run so far. I would say, mm-hmm. I think so. I, I loved it. I thought it was brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, just, I think as soon as the bit, as soon as we get to the bit with the Klingon ship and they use that music from the movies. 
Mm. And you have that you have that shot of the bird of prey and like Ah, this is gonna be really good. This I can mm. I can I know, I know this is gonna be great. And it was. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. that music, that music, it just it's such it's so evocative like it Im- immediately you know what's going on like it, it just it fits the Klingon so I mean intentionally so of course mm-hmm. but but it's great yeah. that they, they, they use that oh. yeah it's it works beautifully because it, it's so much fun and you know if, if any other series had done an episode where we got to sort of spend some time on a Klingon ship or on a, on a Vulcan ship we would be raving about that just as much it's it's fantastic it's mm-hmm. such a great idea um, and uh, I love the the Vulcan bit and the the the, the poor Vulcan who's constantly being chastised for emotional outbursts. <laughs> yes, yeah. Yes. One wonders though how they ever progress if if any kind of inspiration is frowned upon mm-hmm. in their society. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's very, point. There's, there must be very subtle levels of working that we you know maybe a bit beyond human perception, I suppose. Mm, yeah, <laughs> so they'd have you believe. Well, <laughs> I thought one, one of the beautiful things about this episode is that it could have easily been a throwaway, um, let's see what life is like in other ships, and it would have been very enjoyable, but they, mm. this one is also so heavily entrenched in the main story arc story mm. thread of, mm. of the season yes yeah of course the, the, the Klingon captain yeah I forgot yeah. about that yeah and I, all the stories I, are woven together as well all these yeah the, 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 the episode ends with all those ships being in the same place and all being yeah. their stories being interconnected and that this, this, this starts so separately I didn't, I didn't necessarily see that coming I thought we were just going to have a, like a, a three a three ship parallel thing mm. yeah and it's, it's and I, I agree I didn't really see it coming either and so the moment where you sort of realize it dawns on you that's like oh okay so this actually is all gonna it is actually one story and they're all going to come together mm. in the same place mm-hmm. it makes it a really cool moment mm. I think it's very nicely I really also like the storyline where Boimler's looking for someone to hang out with and ends up meeting those officers who will say they were born in Hawaii. And so he yeah, pretends he's yeah. born in Hawaii. Yeah, uh, uh, really uh, well done, uh, Rick. Well done for knowing ex- exactly <laughs> when that storyline was. Because I struggled. I struggled. I I just I couldn't place it, you know. Like, but you know, I mean, you you actually know when this happened in, in an episode in the series. So I'm not from Hawaii either. I never felt like I belonged until I met the rest of you. Neither am I. None of us are. We just wanted to be friends with you, sir. Wait, well, you guys didn't have to pretend to be something you aren't. I like you for you. Really? Thanks, Commander. Also, I'm not from Hawaii. Wait, what else? I don't recall this happening at all. <laughs> I mean, I, the idea of them... So, they, wait a minute. They all think... Everyone's saying they were born in Hawaii. I have no recollection of it. <laughs> From a different show, guys. That was a that was a, that was a DS9 B plus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Um yes, this is the episode where that happens, I remember now. Um yeah, and it's pretty funny. It's a funny idea. Um and it, I mean it, it it's good that the uh that the that the the story 
um, with Boimler manages to be so memorable that I actually placed it in several <laughs> different episodes. It's <laughs> like there's so much other stuff going on in this episode, but even the um, yeah, the stuff on the Cerritos is is really good as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just not only that; it all comes together in a like a space battle at the end, which mm-hmm. looks really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, the like the, the the two sort of main characters that we get introduced to in the the Klingon ship and the Vulcan ship are both really uh, great characters as well and really memorable. Yeah, and yeah like you said, I love the idea of a Vulcan who is um, who is like has mild emotional outbursts <laughs> yes. and it's considered like a renegade. And it's that great joke where they're. Um, <clears throat> where she's meant to be meditating, but she's like she's actually thinking about other stuff. <laughs> yeah, gets in loads of trouble for that. <laughs> I, I am assuming we're going to see her again. I it, it did seem to hint at the end of that mm. episode that she, mm. maybe she might get reassigned to the Cerritos, didn't mm-hmm. it? I am recommending you for reassignment to a Starfleet vessel. Your hot-headed ways may make you better suited to serve with humans. Captain, I ask that you reconsider. Believe this punishment is warranted. And that is exactly the type of outburst which led to my decision. It is final. It would be awesome because she was very good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I thought it just it felt like they put a lot of effort into that character. And um, um, why would you do that if they were only going to see them once? I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I mean, maybe they just it's just a work very well, well drawn character. Maybe mm. they, you know, to be fair, like. They did a really great job with her, but I just felt like, what's Maybe. her deal? What's her What's her deal? Like, why? Why is? How did she? How did she get to this point on this ship? If she's like this, is this an out? Is this a unusual outburst, or is she? I don't. Yeah, you know. So I'm, I'm intrigued. Yeah, it, it, yeah. I mean, that it could be that. It could be that. Is this like something her character doesn't usually do? Is she kind of going through something where she's? having these outbursts or or is it like is it a personality trait that has actually it's, somehow led her to get to this yeah. has it worked to her advantage the, the captain somehow? did listen to her mm-hmm. i read i read a review that was um that mooted the question that she could because she's a reflection of mariner she's a a, a vulcan mariner Mm, so right. is there the same rela- relationship with the captain the mariner has uh, would, that, yeah. would that be too much i mean they clearly the captain clearly did value her mm. so yeah even though you know they don't value her um destructive emotional outbursts yeah, yeah. it's weighing the benefits of her of her knowledge and experience versus the disruption on the ship <laughs> Yeah, their emotional outbursts. <laughs> yeah, he was he was cool too. That, mm. I liked the Vulcan captain. Yeah, he was. I, I liked I liked their conversations, their sort of verbal sparring, basically. Yeah, I I would love if they if they've actually completely messed with us and that Vulcan turns up in live action in Picard series two. Ah oh, man, that would be so cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, and any of the lower decks guys, I would love to see. <clears throat> Actually, that would be awesome. Who knows? That would be, yeah. 
Because so far we've seen a, quite a few live action one people make the transition to lower decks. It'd be nice to see one come go the other way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Imagine it. Well, they 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 still did that a little bit on uh, uh, with like in in the Star Wars universe with Clone Wars. Um, mm, yes, and the the other um, yeah. The spin-off show Rebels, they they did have, but they were more like Easter eggs. Like you kind of see like a ship appearing, or you hear you hear a character's name over oh. an intercom. Mm-hmm. And then Ahsoka. of course with Mandalorian, yeah. Of course, yes, that's, yeah. That's more than that's Easter egg, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, that's a pretty massive deal. So yeah. Ahsoka turning up in live action suddenly, it's like whoa! That was, so. that, that was glorious. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Bo Katan as well. Yes. 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 Yeah. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. yeah. Um, so yes. Um, all, all in all, I, I think we were saying we really enjoyed this episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think this yeah. Episode. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Excellent. Yeah. I, yeah. I d- I really really like this one, but I but the net the next one as well, episode mm-hmm. ten, which is called First First Contact. I, I also thought this one was really good. It was. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know which is my which is my favorite of the two. Mm-hmm. I, I'd say th- this one is like is sort of up there as well as mm-hmm. a, as a brilliant episode. It was. Um, there's elements of this which look uh, you know there's almost cinematic quality. Mm. Um, yeah, when when the um, when when the Archimedes is damaged, that whole sequence looks incredible, as well as sort of echoing back to Star Trek Six. Yeah, and the and the sequence where they have to take off all the whole plating um, mm. and the Ceratos looks just really cool. As <laughs> a sort of a all its all its hole removed, and, and yeah. It's a very- a very Star Trek solution as well to something. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Right. Well, we have two holes. We only really need the inner hole, <laughs> right? And I, okay. Cool. Yeah. That's it's great. It's great. It's great thinking. It's a great way of using of finding it that a solution to a problem. It's a very, which is what Trek a lot of Trek is about. Really, I think is finding clever solutions to problems and things. There's a, there's a lot going on in this, isn't there? Because we start yeah. off. Um, so the Cerritos is going to back up the Archimedes on a first contact mission. Uh, and it looks like Captain Freeman's getting promoted to Admiral. Mm-hmm. Um, also, the the captain of the Archimedes, Sonia Gomez, from two episodes yes. of season two of Next Gen. Yes. Yeah, famously spilt hot chocolate on Captain Picard. Yeah. Nobody likes unexpected guests. Ah! Uh, I'm okay. Please don't. It's fine. Don't worry about it. I've done way worse in front of much more intimidating captains. Yeah, and that that is brilliant. And is it the same same voice actress? It who... is. Yes. Ah, amazing. I didn't know that. I was hoping so can, that was the case. But... They make a reference actually when on the bridge of the Archimedes, one of the officers trips yeah. over. Yeah. Yeah. So. That's yeah. That was the that was we paused it at that point and we were like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Is that, is that the same character who was? Yeah, but that that's really cool because you know she was a great. Um, she was actually a great character in in TNG and, and she she sort of disappeared uh, from the ship and we never heard from her again. Um, but it, you know it's great to see a character who who kind of messes up and. Spill some coffee on the captain and hot chocolate. Sorry, mm. so it's really cool that she made it to captain and uh, we get yeah. to see her again. 
Yeah, and I think she's she's a character who really suits lower decks as well to bring back. But yeah, and then there's like then there's a massive solar flare, um, and the Archimedes loses power, which is like it's a pretty cool sequence. Uh, and they're basically sort of trapped in a gravity well, mm-hmm. aren't they? And and in, uh, need yeah. rescuing for this planet they're um, going to make first contact with. Yes, yeah. So they're going to crash into it. Yeah, the first contact is going to be them falling out of the sky and and, and smashing into the ground mm-hmm. and, and like destroying a city or something. Yeah, which, like which isn't good. It's not great. No, <laughs> not the not great first impression. <laughs> yeah. But it's like it's then gives the the Cerritos a kind of a cool sort of race against time scenario to yeah, as Rick said, like to res- to solve a problem. Um, <laughs> and I mean, one of the coolest moments in this episode is that part of that of resolving that problem is going to <sighs> mother flipping Citation Ops, yes, <laughs> and seeing the dolphins. Are they? What are they? They are, are they, dolphins. Are they aren't dolphins they? or are they yeah. um, porpoises? Porpoises or um, I think they're dolphins. They're kind of they're beluga whales. Beluga whales, yeah. Okay. Their heads are too domed for dolphins. They're belugas, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Fair enough. <laughs> but but it's the point like is, this. cetacean ox. We see it. It's there. This is so cool. I mean, it, it unfortunately it really ages our. Uh, podcast episode that we did all about citation ops and like what a mystery it is and, and um, yes. how we've never seen it on screen and what and we, we spent a lot of time um, kind of imagining what citation ops might be like and uh, and now we just know <laughs> <It's> like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but like I think the sort of ideas that we had about what citation ops might be and the kind of jokes, the kind of joke ideas that we had, that's pretty much actually what we get in Lower Decks, isn't it? Yeah, it's it, it's perfect. And it's not disappointing either for something that's been so built up over the years. Mm. I don't I didn't come out of that episode thinking, oh, God, yeah, citation ops was better in our imaginations. <laughs> no. Oh. And I loved, I loved that Rutherford is the one who's friends with them. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that was so yeah. Rutherford. It was brilliant. And there's a, the, the standout joke for me was around one of the do- <laughs> one of the uh, one of the beluga whales. He's called Matt. He was like he just wasn't listening to something, <laughs> something that Rutherford said, and it's, it was just it was just a, is there something about the fact that he was called Matt. Uh, made it hilarious because <laughs> that's like a normal person's name. <laughs> It's like when you, it's like if you have a pet dog and you call it a, a human name. A human name, which is the best. And even better if it has a human name and like a surname. Yes. <laughs> you know, like Jeremy Steepleton. <laughs> Peter Henderson. Peter Henderson. Yeah. If we yeah, if we have a dog, it's either going to be called Jeremy Steepleton or Peter Henderson, and it, you have to refer to him <laughs> by his full, full name, name every time. <laughs> It would be Peter, Tur- Peter Turlin, though, wouldn't it? I mean, wouldn't it be well, Peter, Peter Henderson, Peter a... Henderson Turland? Mm. I think we'd imagine that he's a friend of the family. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> more, of a, more of a housemate than yes, a... Yes, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, like a flat, yeah, like a flatmate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because <laughs> at the vets, they will always call out your pet's name and then put your surname on the end. <laughs> so really? when I when I used to take my rabbits to the vets, uh, they'd come out and ask for Obi Wan Everson. <laughs> oh, 
did that did that make you do a sex week? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I thought so. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what a thing to hear. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, going back to this episode, um yeah, citation up. So it's great. So can I just can I it's it's pronounced citation. Citation is a different thing. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, but it's been fucking <sighs> Fine. Oh, first the Hawaiian thing, now this. <laughs> to be fair, we to be fair, we let you mispronounce it all the way through yeah. the episode we did. So, oh, man. <laughs> only because I'm still trying to think of a Wikipedia-based joke for a citation. So, <laughs> Gemma's kind of ruined it before I got there. Sorry. Oh, jeez. Oh God, I messed up on. No, you're fine. I was never going to get there. <laughs> citation ups. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. citation ups, citation ups. <laughs> um, to, like to be fair, it's spelt very confusingly. Um, oh, it's difficult so. to pronounce from the spelling. <laughs> that's what that's what I'll say about okay. it. Okay. Um, uh, I don't. I don't know. I think he can. I think he can spell it, pronounce it. I think. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> You just have to try a bit harder. <laughs> I was I was very um, well pronouncing the wrong <laughs> word, but but yeah, I pronounced citation perfectly. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, in many ways, it wasn't a pronunciation error; it was a word yeah, what error. Now? Pron- pronunciation. pronunciation. <laughs> <laughs> a pronunciation uh, error. <laughs> <laughs> oh jeez sometimes i wonder if how well i'm suited to, to uh the medium of podcasting <laughs> or, or the medium of talking we need to we need to develop a pronunciation guide for you from now on they have one at the yeah. beginning of scripts on tv shows so maybe if we if we look at the subject matter we'll all like write out a guide for you <laughs> Oh, I just need that for just life. <laughs> the beginning of every life. <laughs> oh dear. Uh, but yeah, going back to the episode, um, yeah, it is really good. Um, <laughs> the end. I also like that one of them, was it Matt, who, who was really concerned that Rutherford looks a bit sweaty and he needed to come yes. to yeah, yeah yeah all that stuff that, was great yeah, that was a big fan of Rutherford mm-hmm. yeah but it, you know, there's there's some cool stuff where like Boimler gets to do something heroic and he, he has to mm-hmm. dive into the pool doesn't he and mm-hmm. hold his breath underwater to remove to, 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 to oh, like, manually to release the, the yeah the last um, panel mm. Oh, they lo- they love it that yes. in in Star Trek. There's often some drama about manually releasing something, isn't yeah. it? Mm. Like it took me back to to first contact. And where yes, they do that. Yes. Um. Didn't they have they had because one of them the, didn't their mag boots fail and they were flying off? Or is this a different episode? <sighs> and they got caught. That by might. someone. No, Is that a I was in. The... I was in this episode. Yeah, um, Mariner. Mariner gets Jen. Um, mm. The Andorian. Yes. Yeah, the Andorian woman. Yeah. Jennifer. 
Yeah, and that that's a nice little touch that she'd like like they they'd always kind of well she'd always Mariner had always hated her. Yeah. <laughs> and then they kind of like bond a little bit in yeah. this episode. And that that was kind of a nice little joke. Oh great, Jennifer. I'm sure you just love catching me with contraband, but can you try not to rat me out to ransom this time, okay? Yeah, I don't care. Oh please, I know you hate me. <laughs> I don't think about you at all. Yeah, right, I bet you dream about me every night with your stupid little butt. Well, they're kind of, they're basically a couple by the end. Well, yeah, that's what yeah. I thought. It's, it's quite a nice move. I'm going to be interested to see that dynamic next season because uh, Mariner, as a person, how that how our character develops in a relationship should be really interesting. Mm. Yeah. And then we get like a bit of a sort of bombshell ending where mm. the where Captain Freeman is, is taken off in um, in handcuffs pretty much. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and then I, I really like the kind of the reveal of that because the, the crew had got all got together to kind of give her <laughs> a, like a send off and stuff. And then she's marched through the oh, kind of line, um, yeah. like in, in handcuffs. And the, mm. that, that was a really cool, like a cool kind of dramatic moment, um, I thought. And that, that pack led story is still ongoing. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, what's what's going she, what's going on with that? What's the, what's the yeah. deal? She's, yeah, because she was fully framed by someone with power. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There were a couple of other um, stories in this episode that that I liked. There was a reveal that um, Rutherford's having problems with his with his cybernetic implant. Oh yes, and mm. there's a and it and it. And there's a bit where he does like a memory, he does a memory cord dump to make it work. Oh, and yes. there's a reveal, and there's a real reveal that it was installed against, maybe installed against his will. What if someone asks why he has it? We program that in. He'll think it was elective. Huh? <laughs> I can see again, but I think I remember something I wasn't supposed to. Yeah, yeah, like a sort of a, like a kind of a RoboCop style. Yeah, like, uh, like, like, like he's a sort of a sleeper agent or something. Mm. Like it's, something. It's, yeah. Um, yeah, and one where Tendy thinks she's getting transferred by Doctor Cat. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Doctor yeah. Tana. Sorry, I was <laughs> Doctor the the Cat Doctor. <laughs> yeah, um, but it turns out she's just getting a, a, getting transferred, sort of promoted. The science, isn't she from medical? Yeah. And they were good. I like that. I like those. They both give us a bit of character development, and and it's something we've just sort of accepted about Rutherford that he has. He sort of has this implant for no good reason, really. Yes. Um, yeah. And, but but the but now we. Well, I mean, I'm guessing that will be part of um, season three. So I mean, over overall, then season two of just of Lower Decks. Uh, what 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 are our general thoughts? I thought that it was it, it sort of got better as it as it went along, and it and it the second half of the season I preferred to the first half I think, but I still really enjoyed the first half, and it it ended on a couple of uh, of, of absolute bangers, mm. like some real killer episodes, and then you know I'd say there were like those last two episodes were both kind of brilliant sort of five star episodes, and then there was a there was a smattering of of like really, really good episodes as well. And there wasn't really any duff episodes. The only, no. the only I think maybe the sort of weakest episode for me was that that the 
the very first episode of the season, which even as I think about it now, if I revisited it, maybe I'd enjoy it more on rewatch. Mm. And the then episode six, which is, which was one that just just wasn't enormously memorable yeah. to me, but it was still fun. Yeah, there was yeah, no. I, I didn't really have any strong criticism of it. it just mm. it didn't stand out as much as some of the other episodes. No. I thought, on the whole, season two was far better than season one for me. Mm. I mean, not season one was good, but I think it's, it just took it up a notch. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah, I think it's yeah, you know, it's finding its feet, isn't it? It's finding mm. its own. Its own sort of style, its own. It's um, it's sort of its essence, like the thing that it is. Its own. Its own sort of what's the quality, I guess, that, yeah. that differentiates it from the other Trek series. I think yeah. with with a show with it being an animated show and one that uses a lot of humor, I think it can. I think it can take a bit of time to sort of get the right balance of humour and story and character development. Similarly to the Orville, I think. I think I think mm-hmm. season two of the Orville was was a was a a great improvement from season one. Not that season one was bad, like you were saying, Gemma, but mm-hmm. but, yeah. but but they got I think they got their eye in about how they want to tell how they want to tell the stories and how they want the show to look yeah. and episodes to sort of play out and things like that. So yeah, I, I I thought season two was was great. Like we were saying, it ended ended really ended with some brilliant episodes, and um, all all the way through was entertaining. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, a lot of what Rick said is kind of what I was thinking in terms that they've they've found their feet and developed this nice balance between quite crazy, hilarious, off the wall nonsense, but also they've developed characters in a way that actually, you know, they are fleshed out, they are building, they are developing, uh, and they're actually, you know, getting quite fond of them. Mm. So, And if they can do that, I mean, that's pretty good. And as you say, it's like there's no episode that sits there, I'm sitting there going, that's a flipping terrible episode. They're all good. Yeah. Some, you know, some are absolutely, as you say, absolutely brilliant, and that kind of maybe overshadows the others, but there's no, there's no bad reflection on the others. They're still entertaining and fun episodes. So it's been a cracking, it's been a cracking season, I think, really. Yeah, I think if you if you were to compare the first, so there's been 20 episodes of Lower Deck so far. If you were to run those alongside, say, the first 20 episodes of TNG or Jesus DS9 Christ. or Voyager, <laughs> even, I think, I think Lower Decks would come on, come up on Very top well. based, yeah. based on you know on on the first 20 episodes of those series um so yeah so you know i think it's i think it's doing well i'm looking forward to another season yeah i think it was it was a show that maybe i wasn't really too sure about in in the first season mm. um whereas in the in the second season i feel uh, more sure about it <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a big departure from you know what's traditional track shows always been about, but yeah, I think, it, I think they've made it work. There's a genuine love and affection for Star Trek in, in it, and you can see it come through in the way it's written. And the people who work on it clearly adore the source material. And yes, they're trying to do something different, and they're making it work. I think. Yeah, yeah. 
<clears throat> that's it. I mean, I think maybe there's there's still a part of me that has that hang up over how how well this sort of fits into canon mm. and. You know, does this this feel like it's happening in the same universe as as TNG? But I but I think certainly in the second season, I I just wasn't really thinking about that so much anymore. It's just enjoying the show for what it is, yeah. and um, yeah, that that hangout wasn't bothering me so much. So you know, I think it, I think it's maybe always going to have that that thing. That yeah. it has to get over, but you know, you just if you don't think about it, it's fine. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I, I can be flexible enough about what 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 I want to have this strict <laughs> adhere to canon versus what is fun and entertaining. You know. Yeah, yeah. At the end of the day, if it's good entertaining TV, it doesn't matter if it contradicts something or is just too silly to fit in the same canon as Picard or something like that. Who cares, as long as it's good TV. Mm. Yeah, that's it. You can make your own headcanon piece with it if you if you need to. Um, yeah. There's, I mean, there's yeah. an episode of Picard where he pretends yeah. to be a, a, a French kind of, a Frenchman, a French criminal man, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that doesn't seem too out of the boundaries of what we might see in that's Lower Decks. That's very true, actually. Yeah. In Lower Decks, they might be like, you know what, that's too silly. We're not gonna... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> draw that, the line of that. Dumb. Yeah. That, yeah. that, that's it. That would be a great joke, wouldn't it? That would be great to have. But a genuine Lower Frenchman is, ridic- is terrible at putting on a French accent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, think, I think we should we should wrap it up there, then. I think that's, guys, yeah, we've covered everything. If it, in, unless anyone has any, any final thoughts. Well, actually, I don't know. <laughs> no. <laughs> Patrick. <clears throat> yeah, cool, cool. Okay, yeah, let, let's wrap it up here because we, we do have another episode to record as well. So, um, yes. So, uh, yeah, keep your ears out for that, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> and hope you've, hope you've enjoyed listening to us talk about uh, Lower Decks, the second half of season two, which... To to be fair, I kind of thought that we would be a bit more timely in um, uh, <laughs> talking about that. It t- took me absolutely ages to edit the first uh, our, <laughs> our assessment of the first five episodes. So, um, well, this gives we've given people time to watch them all. That's yeah, it. Okay. And yeah. you and know, we don't. Can... We don't want to impact people's opinion of the show. It's like let 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 them form their own opinion exactly. and then listen to what yeah. we think. Exactly. And realise that their opinions are so wrong compared to ours. <laughs> yes. Unless they're in line. Unless yes. they're unless they're the same as ours. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If your opinions match ours, they are completely valid. Yeah, in that, in that case, well done. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, but cool. yeah, but thank you so much for listening, everyone. Um We'll be back soon with another episode. Yeah, thank you, everyone. Thank Bye-bye. you, guys. Bye. 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 Do you realize how incredible this is? It's tradition. You ever noticed that bum? What? That bum. Oh, no. I will say. I will say. Fewer things. Fewer things. Okay. Enough of this self-indulgence. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. If you want to get in touch with us, our website is www.lowerdecksradio.co.uk. You can reach us on the Twitters at at 10backward, 
10 being the number and backward being the word backward. We're also on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash 10 backward podcast. You can also email us at crew at lowerdexradio.co.uk. On a personal, individual level, my Twitter is at Will Turland. Rick Everson's Twitter is at TrekFanRick. And Rick Palmer's Twitter is at Mr. Imhotep. Hi, thank you again for listening to the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, you might consider supporting us. We have now have a Patreon uh, where people can uh, pledge small amounts to fund our ongoing projects like... Uh, keeping our website up to date, uh, um, new audio equipment as we're going along, and potentially uh, opportunities to expand our content. Uh, you can go look at this at patreon.com forward slash radio. Uh, if you don't feel you can donate but would still like to support us, we would love if you could subscribe to us or however get your podcast through iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or we're on various third-party apps. And if you could leave us a review on any of those, that would be fantastic and would be very appreciative. Thanks again for listening, and please tune in for more podcasts from the 10 Backward Crew. Let's make sure history never forgets the name. 10 Backward? Laddie, don't you think you should rephrase that? 10 Backward. 10 Backward. Okay, no, we will just have to run a full diagnostic from the bottom up. You can run your full diagnostic along my bottom up, my leash. No, thank you. Ignore them.